Okay, episode three of the Just Effinson podcast. You're listening to David Baker. A uh, couple things I want to get out there before we get going on the subject tonight. Uh, one thing being, uh, this damn laptop, we bought it back in like 2016, and then we never really used it a whole lot. It was always slower than hell, even the day we bought it, it was slow, and... Anyway, when I decided to do this podcast, I wiped everything clean on it and uh, tried to just get as much memory free as possible to keep everything good and uh, speeds as, as high as they will go. And uh, I, I would have had this podcast knocked out like two hours ago, but um, it, as soon as I turned the computer on, it had some 2018 Windows 10 update. Um, I guess it's been that long since we really messed with it last. Anyway, that took an hour and a half or more to do. Um, so, sorry for the delay. Um, another thing uh, I noticed, I went back, I wanted to see what it sounded like. Um, I went back and listened to the first, and well, parts of the first and second episode and realized that they were a lot quieter than everything else that I had been playing on my radio in my truck. So I turned the volume up tonight on the microphone, so hopefully it'll fix that and it's on par with everything else that you're listening to uh, volume-wise and also not blowing your eardrums out because it is definitely a lot louder in my headphones right now. Uh, all right, to tonight's subject. Um, as I mentioned before, I have a match this weekend. It is the first... Uh, well, my first PRS match of the year uh, is the Frontline Fury at Frontline Defense in Warrington, North Carolina. It's uh, my home range. And uh, Paul Smith is the owner, operator, and match director of the range. It is a awesome facility. We'll get into more of that later. Um, Paul is a, he's a great, great guy. He's a good friend of mine and a patriot. He is a uh, former Army Ranger, uh, sniper section, uh, real good dude, old school, um, but very knowledgeable. He's a good shooter and uh, a good instructor. Um, I haven't taken one of his courses, but I, I'm, I know a lot of people that have, and they, they loved his course. Um, and uh, he's done amazing things with that facility. Uh, it's grown my, what, two or three years being a member out there, two or three years. It has gone through quite the transformation for the better. Um, it was great then, and it's it's even better now. And I'll get into a little bit more of the up. Well, I should say changes um, and upgrades, I guess, because they actually does pertain to the match uh, this weekend. So um, normally on my, uh, I have a routine of what I what I try to do. Um, if it wasn't for this computer updating, I would have been in bed, you know, hours ago. But uh, I try to have it get in a routine. Uh, I sleep horribly. So it takes me, on any given night, it takes me 20 minutes to two hours where me getting up and getting something to eat and watch, you know, the news or anything that's on TV um, before I can go back to sleep. So on nights like tonight, I like to take uh, something that's going to make me drowsy uh, earlier in the afternoon. That way that I'm, in theory, tired and ready to go to sleep much earlier than uh, any other night because I have to get up so early 
Uh, Frontline is about an hour and a half away from here. Uh, the gates open at 6.30, and I try to get there around then. And I all, almost always, since my buddy CL started shooting precision rifle matches with me, he's been shooting a long time, uh, long range, but n- this is his going to his second year of shooting uh, match, uh, PRS-style matches. Um, so he lives here, obviously, and I pick him up on the way because his house is on the way from, from between me and Warrington. So I always pick him up, so I have to leave early enough to do that load up all of his stuff into my truck and then uh, head out or load all of my stuff into his and then we head out. So, I mean, I'll get up at four tomorrow morning. But that goes into one of the things that, oops, sorry, I didn't mean to bump the microphone. That goes into one of the things that I think is very critical in performing well is is something as simple as being rested. I I, I struggle with that uh, every night. So there's no exceptions on the eve of something, you know, fun and exciting, like shooting a match. Uh, it's, it's even harder. And, you know, I'll have things like the answer to a question on a quiz in third grade or something that keeps me awake. And I'm sure a lot of you people struggle and, and experience the same thing. So you're not alone. Um, but in other things and getting prepared, um, Take everything out of your pack. You need to have a checklist on paper of everything you'll need for the match. Take everything out. And I wouldn't suggest just doing this the night before, you know, two, three days before would be fine as well. Um, In case you are missing something, you didn't have time to find it. If you do it right now before I'm going to bed and I can't find something, then I'm probably going to have to shoot the match without it. Um, So... That's something to think about. So you take everything out of your pack, check it off. I have a dry erase board in my reloading room where all of my gun stuff is, and I you can have easily the whole thing filled with things to check off. Just leave it on there, check it, boom, put it in the pack. As you're checking it, throw it in the pack, and then you know that there's nothing you forgot Um you know, because I, even if you think you know what was in there, the last time I, I used, the last time I saw it, it was in my pack from the last match. You know, old Murphy is going to show up and, and steal it out of your bag, and you're screwed if you didn't double-check and it's not there. It could be something, you know, that's pretty minuscule, or it could be something very uh, important for your, important for you shooting the next day. Um, so I do that. I check through all of my equipment. Make sure I have what I need. Obviously, ammo is important. Make sure all my ammo is squared away. Make sure I have the right ammo because I have multiple different calibers that I shoot for a match. And I want to make sure that if I have my six Creed barrel on like I have right now, make sure that I don't have Dasher ammo or 25 BR or 6.5 Creed more or 25 Creed more. I don't have any of that ammo in my pack. I want to make sure I have six Creed ammo. Um, so that's obviously a start to a bad day. If you get up there and you're like, Oh my God, this is my six, five Creed more ammo in my six Creed more barrel. That's going to be no good for anybody. Um, you know, if you can get the course of fire the night before, that's even better. I do not have that luxury because unless I had gone today and, and check zero and confirmed dope, and checked in 
you know, for the match tomorrow. I could have done it today, but it snowed here last night um, and didn't feel like driving out of Warrington. I had my son with me. His daycare was closed. So that wasn't happening. But I do have a buddy of mine who is there who went there today, uh, Jeff. He's my uh, me and CL's other shooting partner. We're the, like, the precision three musketeers here. And we uh, – he he sent told me uh, he didn't send it to me but he told me went over a couple of things with uh, some stages and some stages that like we've talked about stages that I will have trouble with in theory I'm gonna go into it with the attitude of that I'm gonna kill it that I'm not gonna have any issues because I'm gonna stick to my process that I have mentally of a pre-shot checklist before each shot and execute knowing my dope knowing my target knowing the position I'm in and then paying attention to what the wind is doing or a mirage, whatnot. If I do that, if I stick to that, it, it's all part of a process that hopefully I can consciously check off and then let my subconscious do the shooting, right? The getting into position, the trigger pull, the sight picture. Hopefully all that I do it in, in, practice it enough that that all becomes that whole thing becomes subconscious and it does it all by itself and execute it to the best of my physical ability and I don't let my brain and my conscious mind get in the way um, that's one of the, the big things and keys to the the secrets of mental marksmanship uh, book that I mentioned to you guys um, and, and we're going to try it out this is my going to be my first match post reading that book you know it's not magic obviously but hopefully it gives me it has given me the tools now it's just up for me to use those tools implement them you know in practice in a match um and and we're gonna see i'm gonna you know i'll do a follow-up episode after maybe tomorrow after day one and before day two or but definitely after day two i'm gonna do a a after action report and let you guys, you know, hear about, hey, this is something that I may have struggled with before, uh, but this is what I found that made me succeed in that same situation, in that same stage, that same course of fire. So hopefully I'll be able to tell you that, and I feel confident I am. Uh, I'm feeling really good. Uh, feeling really good. I told Jeff today, uh, I said, I'm, I'm feeling good about this match. And I'm going into it, you know, with the mindset that I'm going to kill it, so... Uh, I'm hoping that I can speak that into the universe and then the universe rewards me. Let's just hope, right? Um, if not, then better luck next time, I guess. Um, so, uh, equipment. Uh, the equipment that I'll be using. I'm going to go through a little bit of a, a gear a gear rant of what I'm using for this match particularly. Um, obviously, my AI shooting the Axiom National in the Axiom National um, excuse me, the Axie Obsession chassis. Uh, Six Creed more. It is a Rock Creek Heavy Palma button barrel and shooting factory Six Creed more ammo. I have a Six Creed barrel simply for the ability to shoot great match grade factory ammo. Because as I've mentioned, I do not thoroughly enjoy reloading like some of you do which i wish i did i'd spend more time doing it and would probably be better at it um you know uh 
with my BR, um, the dasher, everything will be, you know, sub five SD and it's great. Um, but you can all, you can always improve, but I don't enjoy doing it. So I have this six Creed barrel for when I either a don't feel like it, or if I have, uh, two matches in a row, I'll load for one and shoot the six Creed more in the other. And I'll choose which one that is based off of what I think I'm going to run into as far as either a conditions, b the type of match it will be if I've been to there before and shot a match there, what to expect if it's a lot of, you know, a lot of prone shooting, I'll shoot one over the other. If it's a lot of positional funky stuff where I'm going to need every bit of recoil management possible, not like a six cream more recoils a lot, but it does recoil substantially more than a, a six BR does. So I'll, I'll, I may go with that or the dasher now or whatnot, go with that. Um, so, uh, scope will be a vortex gen two razor with the EBR seven C reticle. Absolutely love that reticle. You know, I had preached for a long time that I wish vortex would come out with a Christmas tree reticle with two tenth subtensions floating, uh, center dot. And it was, granted with the EBR 7C. Absolutely love that reticle. It's not too cluttered, um, but yet you still have usable um, hash marks for your windage when you're holding over, and it's it's great. And then I don't do a lot of um, dialing on the uh, windage anyway, so on my uh, horizontal stadia, I love two-tenth subtensions. Uh, I shot half-mil subtensions for a while, and yeah, you can do it, but I just feel more confident having the two tent subtensions that way I know. I mean, we've had stages where I'm shooting a half MOA target on like a KYL or, you know, and I'd like to know exactly what I'm holding in that reticle. Instead of 0.4, I want to make sure it's 0.2 or, you know, or split the difference at 0.3. So I'm a big fan of two tent subtensions on the horizontal stadia. And uh, so that's the uh, scope, uh, the Vortex bubble level and throw lever for the scope. Uh, AccuTac bipod. Now, I used to have the original AccuTac bipod. I really liked it except for even with the, the legs all the way um, in uh, at its shortest, other than 45 in the legs, which is great for when you need that. But if you're... If you don't have to do that, I'd suggest not doing that because uh, especially um, 45 in because that's actually came back to bite me before. Um, the, the horrible um, ability to to use recoil management and stay on the target because it's hopping, the bipod's hopping all over the place. It's hard to load in to a bipod at the 45, but especially when it's 45 towards you, not away. If you're 45 towards you, towards you, and you're on like a deck, and have a like a board or like a two by two that goes across the top as something that you can butt the feet up to. Excuse me. You can get away with uh, 45 and them away from you, and still and still be good. Um, but the original, the original AccuTac, it was it was just too tall for the rear bag that I was using at the time. So I sold it and went with the gold standard Atlas. I've got still got that Atlas and I've had the Atlas Cal uh, Gen 2 and I really loved it in the prone, but there's a lot of times to where 
I am not prone on a, a full flat surface. It, it could be on a pipe. It could be on a bench seat. And that cow's wide footprint, what makes it so good on the ground and prone, you know, will come back and bite you possibly on a narrow surface that you are shooting off of with utilizing the bipod. Um, a, a, the biggest example I remember having was the, I didn't even think about it because of my first match when shooting with that bipod. I was shooting on uh, the long ways down a picnic table seat. I mean, that's only what, six inches wide, maybe seven inches. I'm not sure what the dimension, seven and a half inches. Well, the footprint of that cow, uh, that cow Gen 2 is, uh, is wider than that. So I literally had to take my rear bag and shoot off of it and have the bipod legs hanging off each side of the bi uh, each side of the bench seat. Um, and then it didn't turn out well, but it was you know, an act of des desperation for not being able to use the bipod correctly. Um, but now I've got the, when they came out with the um, Atlas BR4 Gen 2, which is their shorter one, well, now I'm getting the best of both worlds. It is a little bit wider than the original, no, than an Atlas, I'd say, like a standard Atlas, like the PSR or the V8. Um, but it's going to be right there in the middle between the picnic bench issue and like with the a the Atlas and the the PSR and the Calgen too. I'll be right there in the middle, and I think I'll be okay. But since then. I've also purchased a Harris as a situational tool, meaning a situation where I'm going to be, let's say, running a, a standard barricade, but having to go prone at the end. You know, I've got the uh, 550 cord uh, Cobra tied knot or whatever in, uh, tied the two legs together so I can quickly deploy and stow away the legs uh, with just pulling that cord in between the two of them it, it, it controls both of the legs which is great but i'm only going to use that bipod in those type of situations it's not the one that stays on my rifle if i'm if it's a a normal prone stage it's definitely going to be the accutac i know a lot of guys run the harris bipods but i have myself and maybe this was me but i've ha i've had myself when shooting off of that harris prone Pulling the rifle back into my shoulder, it made the leg uh, stow. One of the legs, well, when one of my legs stows, both of them go because I have them tied together. So if at all possible, I try to use my other bipods that are a lot more rigid when you have them set at the position that you want them. So, um, but yeah, there's going to be definite stages. There's definitely going to be stages where I'm going to be using that Harris because of A, it does have that narrow footprint as well. B, it is you know quickly deployed uh, on the clock and stowed if need be, and it's great. I have the uh, really right stuff uh, mount on it to go on my pick rail or my Arca rail, which I don't even have pick rail on this AI. It's all Arca rail from uh, Spigot, and then the forearm. It's all it's all um, it's all Arca rail. So that's that's no drama there. All right, that covers bipods. Uh, let's see, bags, 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 bags. Okay, so I moved over to the standard mini fortune cookie, I think, two years ago and liked it. 
I've tried all of the game changers. Now, the bigger one's obviously better, but I had a heavy fill hybrid game changer with the uh, sticky, the sticky one, and it was the heavy fill in that, and it was just so, so small, and it would pack so hard, the sand would pack so hard. When you stretch it over a two by four, it's just, it sits high, and it's so, the, the sand packs so hard that it, um, it doesn't give me a whole lot of, I see a lot more wobble in my reticle when shooting off my belly in a, uh, the rifle supported by a bag on the front type position. And so I, then uh, Weebad came out with the uh, Whiskey Charlie mini fortune cookie, the wax uh, canvas mini fortune cookie, and it's heavy as well. Um, but I'll tell you, that thing is, as far as shooting off of any uh, barricade or whatnot, I, I have yet to find a bag that I like better than it. And so I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping it rocking with that this year. There have been times to where both of my for, mini fortune cookies were so they were so small example I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and give you the example at frontline there's a tires stage where there's uh think of a um you know the onion volcano at a hibachi japanese restaurant it big big medium small shape kind of like a snowman i guess um i'm having to shoot off of all three levels the targets are kind of elevated uh the, the ground just kind of goes up in a way. So you're aiming up. Well, the bag was so flattened in that position, the, the mini fortune cookies, that I had a hard, very hard time with getting the, a right, the a right amount of elevation to even acquire the target. So that's when it's great to have buddies or really, like I mentioned in the last podcast, anybody and everybody in a match will let you borrow anything of theirs. So I asked Jeff, Jeff always has his full size game changer. I'm like, hey, let me borrow that bag for this stage. I use it and everything is fine. Um, but uh, I still don't feel the need for me to carry a larger game changer when I can just borrow one. Um, you know, I, I'm re I don't know if I've ever shot a match where somebody didn't have one of those that I could not use. Now, also, what is a little bit different this year, as far as bags go for me, is my rear bag. Now, I can use the the wax mini fortune cookie as a rear bag if I wanted to, but and I, I have many times, but it's just so heavy and floppy. If you uh, grab it in the middle and squeeze to manipulate your height, your elevation on the rear of the rifle. Um, I've gotten away with it and it's worked, but I feel like I have less control over the rifle, the buttstock of the rifle. So uh, I actually bought, with Jeff ended up going with something different. I went and bought his pint-sized game changer with the go-light fill. The thing weighs ounces. And I've really come to enjoy shoot using that almost solely as a rear bag. It's almost like perfect size. And if I'm in a, shooting a stage to where it's going to be a prone situation and a, um, you know, off your stomach, out of the prone, barricade type situation, you know, it's good enough for me able to do that, with, you know, you run that stage with that pint size game changer. 
and also use it as a rear bag. So it's, that has kind of like a, a hybrid use, I guess you would say. And it's really working out great as a rear bag. Uh, Blissett calculator. I use, I am a firm believer in Shrelock Pro. I'm a big fan. Uh, it and Traysol and Hornady. I've used all three. Well, I've used more than that, but those are the three that if, if, I, if Shrelock Pro for some reason wasn't working, I have those other two programs that I would feel confident in as well. I will say that I enjoy the user interface of Shrelock Pro and Traysol more. I enjoy the the uh, the ballistic engine that uh, the Hornady Fordoff uses. I enjoy that, and it it is accurate. Uh, I just and I think a lot of people love the user interface of the Hornady app, but to me, I just I don't I just don't like it as much. Um, I just maybe it's because I just know. Shrelock because I've used it so long and it's just kind of old hat to me but I also feel that the Shrelock app I have to when truing my data I feel that I have to lie to it the least right to get everything to line up I actually have the correct uh, bore height which a lot of people are in the camp of altering your bore height to get your dope to line up I've yet to feel to ever need to do that. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I, I'm, I don't have experience with it because I've never had to. And that's, again, one of the things that I love about Shrelock because it's not so hard. It, it's very simple. I can take 10 rounds and have my rifle doped out for a national level match and feel confident. I put in my velocity. I don't know that I've ever had to uh, alter my true velocity to get my dope to line up, um, you know, at 500 and in. And then I always then true the uh, BC at 1,000. If I don't have 1,000, 800 will do, but I typically always have access to 1,000 yards, whether it be our private range here or at, anywhere else I'd be shooting a match um, and the BC will be fudged maybe 0.05 at the most from the uh, manufacturers suggested BC because that's all it is it is a suggestion because you know I'm at sea level I think I'm 60 feet above sea level here you know you know a lot of these you know companies aren't getting this data from sea level conditions um, definitely not 75, 80% humidity, uh, you know, all that stuff. And, and if I'm only really having to true my BC by 0.05, no, not, no, no, excuse me, not 0 0.05, 0.005. So five thousandths of the BC. So if my G7 was say 300 on the box, I would be at 0.295 or 0.305 just that that little bit is what gives me my two tenths bump at a thousand to make it climb up correctly so i mean i've never had an issue with i hear people having nightmares of gathering dope make sure your zero is good get you a good muzzle velocity and it'll make everything that much easier you know uh, frank and mark have a, a really good method of using the uh, weaponized math on finding a your what they call their tri dope 
So basically, if you didn't have if you didn't have your um, ballistic engine running and you didn't have a profile built, you could take a number at 300 yards and then he's got this is a simple formula. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's it's great. And I've actually used it. Just I had my dope, but I wanted to see how it lined up. And man, it was within a tenth or two, all the way out to a thousand, and that would be all you would need. And then you could then come back home and tweak your your BC and such to for everything to line up. Um, and so you know if if you're having problems with truing your your data, then I don't know. Tell me what's going on. Shoot me a message or in the comments, and I'll I mean I, maybe I can help you walk, uh, walk you through it. Um, but it, like I said, that's just a, an issue I've never I've never had. Um, so I, I guess that covers the ballistic data. Uh, what else am I got? What else am I running? Oh me. Um, so ammo. Uh, I mentioned I'm shooting factory ammo. I'll be shooting factory six Creedmoor from Hornady. You know, every barrel from Josh with his reamer, and then a, a, a Rock Creek barrel that I've seen in six Creedmoor, the Hornady shit is money. It, I mean, it's it's very reasonably priced. One, my SDs with it, the factory ammo are typically fifteen on the high end and uh, nine on the low end. Um, but the velocity is super uh, consistent between lots. I think maybe a eight or ten foot per second um, swing between lots is what I've seen personally with my ammo. Uh, CL the my shooting buddy, he shot six Creedmoor all last year for the majority of the year, and he was shooting uh, Factory Hornady, and he had like six lots of ammo, and uh, he never changed his dope, his speed, his his anything. Um, and it's, I mean, he there was nothing he missed last year due to ammo, not a thing. So, um, yeah, I'll be running the, the Hornady six Creed ammo. I've already put on my stuff in my truck, so I don't have it in front of me to get reminders of what to talk about. Uh, Hearing Pro, you know, um, I had, I ran for a couple years, I ran in the ear electronic earbuds, the Walkers, they're like $150, and they work, they're good, but you're going to eat up batteries every match. So after that match is over with, you might as well toss them, the little hearing aid batteries. Um, but they also, they hurt the insides of my ears um, by the end of the day, I guess, as well. So I went back to an over-the-ear um, hearing, hearing pro, and I had some MSA Sordans that I like uh, with the gel cups. They were very comfortable. Uh, sound was pretty good in them as well, but the damn band, the, the band came apart. Like, one of the earmuffs came off of the band. Uh, and I was like, well, shit. So I literally zip tied, not zip tied, I electrical taped them together. So I have those as backups, but I bought a pair of the Pelotor uh, Contact 3s. And I'm telling you, those are by far my favorite uh, over-the-ear hearing protections. Those things are awesome. The sound is amazing. The operation of them is super simple. They're very, very comfortable with or without sunglasses. My eyes are very sensitive to light, um, and if I'm not shooting, there there is sunglasses on my face. Uh, 
almost always, even in semi-overcast days, I have sunglasses on, but I, I try not to shoot with them. If I'm if it's late in the afternoon, I've got the sun dead in my face. Yeah, I'm I'm leaving the sunglasses on, but I try not to keep any glass between my eye and my objective lens glass. Um, so I'm really enjoying those. They're, they are pricey. They they definitely are. But if you can shop around, you can find them for a little bit cheaper than than other places. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the website that I found mine on, but they were I think twenty dollars cheaper than uh, Amazon was, and that was including the shipping. Uh, from that company, whatever, whichever company it was that I ended up ordering from. Oh, let's see. Um, all right, let's talk about clothing because uh, we had, like I mentioned, we had a snow here, which is weird given the fact that it, we've had like multiple days and weeks in February in the 70s, uh, even the upper 70s, which, which even from North Carolina is not normal. And, you know, on those days, I called it, I called it, I said, yep, it's, I'm wearing shorts today, but I can promise you come February 23rd or 22nd and 23rd, it's going to be cold as a well digger's ass. And sure enough, I, I was right. It came in last night, snowed, snowed about two inches, got up to like the mid thirties today tomorrow morning is going to be absolutely frigid and miserable. Now, some of you Minnesota, you Iowa, you Midwest guys, you Colorado guys, South Dakota, North Dakota, y'all are going to probably laugh at this, but it's going to be cold for here, okay? You know, this southern born and bred Carolina boy is not used to be shooting in five degrees wind chill factor like we're having tomorrow. I think the high in the morning, well, not the high, but the morning temperature when the match starts is going to be around 11 to 16. I can't remember, but the wind chill, I specifically remember, is going to be 5 degrees. Uh, we're not used to that. But the good news is the silver lining, it will be bluebird skies all weekend. Knock on wood. Um, this match last year was wicked. It was 38 to 40 degrees and poured down rain both days. And that's going to bring me to Frontline. Um, last year, if you were there or saw pictures, everybody was, we looked like mud monsters. I mean, everybody was down in the mud, prone. Day two, Paul had kind of changed up the course of fire to help get people out of the mud. But uh, this it, miserable, absolute cold and raining. I'll take five degree wind chill and dry over 40 degrees and pouring down rain like that. I've experienced it a couple times. I care not to do it again. Um, but the mud situation is not going to be, even if it were to rain this weekend, is not going to be a situation anymore at Frontline Defense because Paul has been so generous to build basically like two foot high decking, but I think like most of them are... 10 by 20s or something like that big big decks on every stage so that if there's any type of prop or if it's a prone stage it's on top of the deck which means we're not in the mud now with that said it's probably going to be slicker than ill shit in the morning but hopefully he puts some salt out or something but you know either way we'll manage i'll deal with that rather than being soaked to the bone and muddy which if we were shooting tomorrow in uh, without those decks regardless the ground is so saturated right now and wet 
you know, we would be soaked in cold, even though it's not raining uh, and muddy, um, the ad. So my attire tomorrow will be some merino wool long johns. Uh, and then my UF Pro HT pants. Now, these pants are awesome. I need pants with knee pads because specifically at Paul's, he has a lot of stages that you're shooting off of rock. Well, if I go down on a rock just right, I'm standing up immediately, just like a reflex reaction. And that's not good if it's a kneeling position that you're supposed to be shooting in. So by, pu- by putting knee pads on, Everything's great. These knee pads are great. I've had, um, I've had some cries and cry knockoffs, and they're great. But I'm I'm in love with these UF Pro pants, and they are, they are pricey, but they're still cheaper than cries are the the G3s, um, and I, th- I think they are a better pant. And I I, I like the G3s, and there's no, I don't see anything wrong with them, but I just I think I really enjoy these UF Pros better. Um, and then I'll have a merino wool first light, uh, like compression thermal shirt. Then uh, my my jersey or a t-shirt over top of that. And then uh, first light. I don't even know what the hell it's called. I mean, it's kind of like a, a looser turtleneck type wool shirt. And then a first light a quarter zip a fleece or wool, I guess it is merino wool too, uh, pullover, and then my first light down jacket. Now, that down jacket is so warm, but it is so compact and light. That jacket weighs just a few ounces. It weighs, I don't remember, it was something when I read it, when I was like, I got to see how much this thing weighs, because it weighs nothing. Um, I was like, oh my God, Like I can't believe it weighs that, and I know it's warm. I mean, it is a super warm jacket. It's probably the warm... Excuse me, uh, the warmest jacket I own, um, and even more so than my North Face ski jacket. Um, so I'll be having that on, and then the uh, my new piece of clothing um, that I'll be using tomorrow. Uh, a buddy of mine, Rob Hardy, uh, if you're listening, shout out to Rob Hardy. Uh, last year, he had some gloves on that I was like, man, what kind of gloves are those, dude? You got to get these. These are the these are called pigskin gloves. They have two weights. They have the Delta. Well, the Deltas are the ones that I have. They have the regular Deltas, which are, you can wear those in the summertime. If you're shooting a stage, like you're shooting off the hood or a trunk of a car where it's, you could literally cook eggs on it. They're great to put on there. That way your hands aren't getting burned. If you're shooting off of rocks or a hot rooftop stage, perfect for that. You can, uh, you can shoot well in them. They're, they're fingered gloves. They're not fingerless. Um, but even with the index finger still intact in the glove, I still have a good feeling of the trigger. And a little thing that I did with the AI uh, round uh, bolt knob that you know everybody knows from Action International, those gloves, they're a, I don't even really know what the, their material is, but it, it's very slick. And running the bolt like, you know, Judy chopping, uh, Judy chopping the bolt backwards, the bolt knob, it being as slick and round as it is, would slide off my index finger. So what I did was I took some vet wrap tape, like you see on, like I have it on my scope to keep my scope from getting bumped and all that stuff and nicked up. Um, you know, vet wrap. You go to your nearest tractor supply, go into the uh, pet or animal medical part, get on Amazon and get it, and it's vet tape. 
Um, they wrap horses' ankles with them. They, they do all kind of stuff with it. I've got that wrapped around, not too tight to where it's cutting off circulation, obviously, but just tight enough to where it stays really well on my around, like a little bit forward, a little bit aft of my big knuckle on my index finger. And then when I go to then cycle that bolt, that uh, vet tape stays right there and grips it. And I, I can run it just like if I don't have gloves on at all. So that's great. And, I, you know, they're going to be great for a 40, you know, 40 degree day, maybe mid 30s. But on super cold days, I bought the pigskin winter weight gloves, which, yeah, I could shoot in, but I plan on using those in between shooting. And also basically switching out my right-handed glove, leaving the winter weight glove on my left hand, my non-firing hand, and then putting the, uh, the lightweight glove on my shooting hand. And then once I'm done with the stage, put the winter weight back on. Um, and <clears throat> that way, keep your digits warm. If your digits aren't warm, you're not going to feel that trigger very well. You're not going to get a good trigger press off, period. Uh, blood's, you know, your blood's not flowing well. And your, your fingers go numb. Your fingers go numb. That's how you ND. And that's how you get a, a free trip home, a quick trip home, uh, or, or drinking beer in the parking lot while everybody else is shooting. So, uh, yeah, so I've got those gloves and, uh, you know, feet. So everything is probably going to be pretty wet out there. I always suggest for people to have some comfortable athletic type waterproof boot or or shoe um i have tons of these because i'm i just love them i wear them all the time but uh i have you know low ankle just uh morel which ones are they i can't remember i just searched them the other day to, to tell somebody else about which ones they were and i can't remember which ones they were but they are a morel shoe they don't even have laces they have a like a neoprene ankle where you slide your foot in and it you have a um a pull string for your lace uh those are those are great i love those i'm not wearing those though i am going to be wearing some north face their version of the duck boots because it, they are insulated um and waterproof as well and they're they're super lightweight they are when i picked them up i couldn't believe how lightweight they are so you're not dragging your feet all day after walking and being on them you know and now you've got a super heavy boot they're not they're very light they're they're actually lighter than some of my 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 uh solomons and and those those other type boots and but i'm taking my solomons in case like oh it's not it's not that cold or it warms up or it uh it isn't that wet i'll just swap those out because no matter how comfortable i claim those north face boots are they're still a rubber boot right so you can always gain comfort by going into a, a normal type boot or shoe um, so i'm taking both of those with me i'm starting out in the north face boots um those are the north face the sonor what are they called they're not tsunami uh tsunami but they're something like that just type in north face ts and then it'll pop up on google or amazon um, I guess that's it as far as clothing goes. I'm trying to think if there's any more gear. Mm, Everly stock pack. I mean, they're all, you know, packs are packs. I've got a couple of them. Uh, oh, speaking of which, I have a almost brand new, basically brand new Everly stock high speed two in Coyote Tan. If anybody's interested uh, to buy it, I've got it for sale. I switched. So, um, I liked it. I just like this one better. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I, I think that's it. For the most part, that's that's my gear. A little bit of things here and there, but you don't need to go in that big detail about gear. You know, find out what works for you. You know, what work, you may not like a mini fortune cookie. You may say, I can't get any more stable anything more so than a game changer. Rock the game changer. You know, find before if you want to try the fortune cookie, find somebody who's got a mini fortune cookie before you go and buy it. And see, I've bought them all. So learn from my mistakes of trying something before you buy it. Um, and, uh, okay, so I guess that wraps up mostly most of the stuff for gear tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go over tonight, and it'll probably keep me awake tonight, which is what I don't want. But tonight in bed, tomorrow on the way to the match, I'm going to be rehearsing my checklist. The thing that I have running, that I'm going to be starting to have running in my head before every shot to help prevent those careless mistakes that I have, you know, committed so many times before. Um, I think that if, if I get those under control, then I become a completely different shooter because I know of the ability that I have and then I know what I have scored. And um, I've had a couple decent finishes, and I've had some bad. If I keep it all the decent to really good finishes, I'm winning. It's those, those matches that one or two or three stages set you back so far in the standings um, that I'm try, that's what I'm trying to get away from. And, and that's what it, my goal tomorrow, we talked about goals. Goals are super important. Um, they need to be in the forethought of your mind all the time. If it's important to you enough to call it a goal, then write it down and have it all over your bathroom mirror or in your truck, like taped to your dash or, you know, um, anything. Just have that goal in your face to remind you what your goal is. And it will make it that much more easy to achieve. My goal for tomorrow is to not have, well, excuse me, this weekend, I should say, not just tomorrow. My goal this weekend is to not have any points left on the table due to carelessness. Not because I couldn't get stable or, or I blew a wind call. Those are going to happen to everybody no matter what. That's, that's just I can't control what the course of fire is. My goal is set on things I can control. I can't control a lot of things, but I can control a lot of things. So I'm gonna work on what I can control. So I'm gonna, every time I go up to an RO before, before I shoot, I'm gonna repeat the course of fire back to him. That's very important. That's not even nothing new. A lot of people do that. And I'm always like, Ms. Lay's like, yeah, fuck it, hit the button. And I shouldn't do that. I should repeat, not for not because I didn't understand it, but so that the more times that I say it, then that means the more times my subconscious can can hear it as well and then help my conscious make the decision to uh, pay attention and, and stay within the course of fire, shoot the stage the way you're supposed to instead of leaving a bunch of points on the board like I have done. Example, I... I think I had cleaned a stage 
in Virginia. And then when time was up, my last shot was done, I dropped my mag, and there's two rounds left in my mag. It's a 10-round mag. And I'm like, what the hell? And then said, yeah, you uh, you skipped one position like three positions ago, so everything after that position didn't count. I'd gotten like then two hits for that stage. And I don't even think I missed a target. I just missed a position. Well, that I might as well have been you know, shooting in the opposite direction because it did me no good to get those hits because I didn't stick to the course of fire. I did not make the conscious effort to make sure to double check that I'm doing it right. So tomorrow, my prediction is I'm going to do very, very well as far as that aspect, but I will also time out a lot. And in this, when you're going through this type of venture or, or this type of transition, I should say, when you're working on something, it's okay as long as you, because the time, the speed will come. I just need to slow down to where I am looking at my dope card because I'm going to have notes other than just my dope written on the dope card to make sure, is this the right position? Am I in the right position? Am I about to go to the right position? Am I going to uh, shoot the, the correct target? Am I, you know, you're going to remember to dial, you know, because I can't tell you. Now, this I know everyone of, of all skill levels have has experience of not dialing your dope on to your next target whether it be a prone stage or or a like a two um a two target multi multi position stage uh is you shoot the first target hit hit then you move over to the second target and you forgot to dial you're in a groove and you just forgot to dial you know my my goal is to glance over Ever so quickly, uh, if need, you know, if if that's what what does it, um, or look at the card as long as it takes for me to then understand. Okay, I have two targets here at this position. Make sure my dope is correct for both of them. Then boom, move. Make sure I dial my dope back to the first target's dope before I engage. Make sure my sight picture is good. Make sure my natural point of aim is good. Make sure that I am shooting breaking the shot at the bottom of my breathing cycle. All of those things, making sure I'm waiting for the bullet to impact or to or to give me some sort of splash for me to then make a correction for the next shot. Make So where I would maybe finish with five seconds left on the clock, I may finish with three rounds of my magazine. But if everything works out, I'll have seven hits. So, you know, those three hits don't matter as much when you get seven hits as opposed to you shooting all 10 rounds off, but yet you got four hits. I'll take the seven over the four any day of the week. And I don't know anybody that wouldn't. So that's, that's my game plan for tomorrow. I know uh, a little bit about what to expect tomorrow from, uh, from a a recon buddy. He's uh, giving me some, some recon on, on what the course of fire is, but um, those are the things that are going to be at the forefront of my mind. Because if I do those things, then I'm going to shoot the best that David Baker can shoot. I can't shoot any better than that. So I don't want to leave anything on the table. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, influence the things that I can control. I can't 
do anything about the wind. I can't do anything about the course of fire. I can't do anything about a lot. But the things that I can do, I'm going to do my best to do them correctly. So, you know, I, I will then, if executed properly, I will shoot the best that I can shoot. And that's all you can ask for. If the best that you can shoot is 15th place or, you know, 8th place in a match, well, what else did you want? You're not going to just be given the match. You have to shoot to the best of your ability. And then the more you do that, the greater your ability will become. So then your normal fifth spot 15 uh, will then become a normal spot 8. Or, you know, your normal spot 8 will become top 5 maybe or, or win the match. So that's the path to success in, in my mind at least is that you, know, you have to do the best that you can do and not ask for more because the more will come, the more will come. So the, the, the winning, the, the top fives, the top tens, that will all come. So if I tomorrow, if my best that I can shoot is 12th place, man, you ain't going to be able to tell me nothing. I'm going to be happy as I can be in 12th place, happier than a pig in shit, and go home with a smile on my face. But if if, the, if I feel the best that I could shoot was 15th place or 12th place, but I end up in you know 39th place, yeah, I'm not happy because I didn't hold up my end of the bargain, which was do everything that I could do to prevent uh, dropping points unnecessarily. If I drop a shot because I made a bad wind call or I drop a shot because I couldn't get stable or, or something like that, don't be mad at those things, okay? You, you now have something to go work on. You need to go work on wind calling. You need to go work on getting in weird positions and getting stable on target, shrinking that wobble zone to a acceptable level to where you are within that plate, whether it be a, a two MOA plate a one and a half MOA plate. If you can hold one, one MOA and you break that shot off every time and you've got good win calls, you're going to win almost every match you shoot. Um, so that's that's the name of the game. If you can shoot one MOA all the way out from, you know, 100 out to 1,200 and, and you do that and you uh, make good win calls, you're going to win unless you give away points that I've always been notorious for doing. So, um, another thing I'm going to do, I, I forgot to mention this, another thing that I'm going to make sure I do is that I'm always going to dial my turret back to zero. So, I don't want to touch my turret after I'm done with a match, after I'm done with a course of fire. Uh, I don't want to touch the elevation turret after I turn it back to zero until it's my turn to shoot. And then that be on my checklist to make sure my dope is right. Because I have never done it myself and then knew that, oh, yeah, I did it. I did that. That was my fault. I shot a uh, match last year. In fact, I think it was my, it was the last um, two-day PRS event at uh, Frontline last year. Shot a long-range stage. It was targets. Uh, I think it was out to like a 1,000 and some change. Cleaned it. The very next stage was... A very simple stage, a prone KYL rack. It wasn't KYL rules per se, but it was just a KYL rack at 500 yards or like 525 prone. 
uh, very easy. And I had had my dope dialed on and everything. I shot, zeroed the stage. No one saw anything. And then I looked down and somehow my turret got spun one full rev. Rev indicator out and everything. And I didn't see it because I've never looked for it because I've never done it. I've never had that happen to me. I still don't know to this day how that turret got spun all the way around. We're in North Carolina shooting out to 1,000 yards. Anything, any caliber I have, I'm not going to 10 or beyond. Everything I have is 8 mils and down. So I don't know how it went that way because I've never spun a turret going up thinking I'm going down before since I've been shooting. So I don't know if that was somebody playing around messing with me or if I just did a complete brain fart and didn't realize doing that. But, you know, I didn't, I don't see how I could have done it because I had, I think, like, what was it, 7.8 mils or 8.1 mils dialed on. And then the next stage was down, you know, 500 yards. So why would I have turned up to then get to that number? I wouldn't have. I've never done it. So, but regardless, no matter what the what had happened, had I, after shooting, put it on zero every time and then made sure, I'm damn sure going to be looking for that rev indicator from now on. I know that. So it was definitely a learning experience. Um, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure there's no, there's no way that I'm going to go to my first shot and have the wrong dope on. Right? Because that's bitten all of us. It's bitten me a lot. But, you know, that's not going to happen because I'm going to stay to my checklist. If it does happen, that means I, I shorted myself by not staying with my checklist. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be about doing it. It's actually a lot longer than I figured it was going to be. I was thinking this was going to be a half-hour episode. Um, but here we are at 58 minutes. So, anyway, stay tuned for uh, the next episode. It'll be either tomorrow night if I've got time, if I'm not exhausted and dead after day one and getting up at 4 o'clock, or um, if uh, it'll be either Sunday night or Monday, but it'll be an after-action. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm going to try to do is keep notes um, in my course of fire booklet of each stage. And that way, um, I'll have a reminder of what I did or what happened and then, and be able to report back to you guys of whatever learning experience that I got in this match, because every match is a learning experience. Um, and you know, if you don't, if you don't believe that you learn something at every match, you're lying or blind one or the other but um so you guys can learn it with me y'all can figure out and i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything y'all know exactly how i did or didn't do um but i'm gonna try also get maybe a couple of videos and pictures and stuff to just add to go along with the uh the two two episodes anyway um signing out and uh hopefully i'll get some sleep here it is 10:40, and i was hoping to be in bed by 8:40. so fuck me Appreciate it, guys.